Good morning. We're going to talk today about the knot principle. As you can see, to remind me of that, I have a rope here with several knots tied in it. And you may be wondering, well, what's the knot principle? Very simply, the knot principle is not my plans, not my desires, not my will. And that's what Paul is trying to address in part in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In verse 7 he says, I do not want to see you now, and only make a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. You know, Corinth was in trouble. And we've talked about that several different times. But just a brief summary is there's lots of rivalry going on within the church leadership. They were talking about following Paul or following Paulus, Apollos, excuse me, or following Peter. And Paul had attempted to address that in his letter. They were also having faith issues, as we talked about a few weeks ago, in that their lifestyle wasn't necessarily reflecting their faith. They were tolerating sexual immorality. And the wealthy people were snubbing the poor people. And their gathering together for fellowship was doing more harm than good, Paul told them. And their beliefs were starting to get watered down. They were even debating on whether or not there was a resurrection of the dead. And again, we've addressed those issues in the several weeks we've been going through this. But Paul knew that he had to address those. And he knew he couldn't text them or even use a video chat because then people wouldn't be able to see the love in his eye or understand the power of the Holy Spirit in dealing with how do we live our faith. Of course, I do realize he didn't have cell phones and he couldn't text him and video chat him in any event. But it's that thing. He wanted to have that face-to-face -face meeting. He knew his letter wasn't going to be able to do it. So he starts outlining his plans in this letter. He tells them that he wants to come and visit them after going through Macedonia. But he wants to do it when he can spend time and maybe spend the winter with them. He doesn't want to come and just make a quick passing visit now. He wants more time. And that's where in verse 7 he says, if the Lord permits. And then he goes on to explain what he's doing, that he's going to stay put at Ephesus, at least to Pentecost, because there's a great work going on there. And he just can't drop everything of what he's doing because of what the Lord has called him to do. He also pointed out he's facing great opposition, which is an unusual when God had got a great work going, then the enemy often starts stirring up the opposition. But he points out there's a great door for effective ministry that's open. So he tells him he's going to send Timothy to him, at least until he can get there. And they ask them to treat him well before he returns. And then he goes on to point out to them, and this shows how Paul was not buying into this faction, this rivalry at all, that he urged Apollos to go visit them now but then responds that Paulus was quite unwilling to do that at this point. Whether he wanted to stay and continue to work with Paul in Ephesus or felt God calling him someplace else, we don't really know. But we knew he wasn't willing to leave and go to Corinth at this point. So waiting. The church of Corinth is left waiting. And many times when we're left waiting, we get into that mood. How long, Lord? How long do we have to continue to wait? And that's where we get back to those not principles. That it's not my plans. 
It's not my desires. It's not my will, but it's God's plans. It's his desires, and it's his will. In a book that I've been reading called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Harley Barton, she points out the need to have discernment and trying to determine what we're supposed to do or what we're not supposed to do. And this is what she says. The scripture also speaks of the discernment of spirits and encourage us to test the spirits to see whether they're from God. 1 Corinthians 12, 10, and 1 John 4, 1. This aspect of discernment helps us to distinguish the real from the phony, the true from the false, in the world out here, but also in the interior world of our thoughts and motives. It is possible for us to become attuned to the subtle spiritual dynamics so we're able to distinguish between what is good, and then she defines it. What is good is that which moves us towards God and his calling on our life. And that what is evil, that which draws us away from God. That kind of broadens the scope of trying to discern God's will as we're waiting. And Ryan Kohler, I talked about him about six to eight months ago. He's a pilot with Missionary Aviation Fellowship. And last November, November 4th, he and two volunteers from an orphanage where he was bringing supplies were arrested. And they were basically being accused of supporting anti-government uh, people. There's really no evidence of that, but they do, with MAF, fly supplies and people and medical things back and forth all over, not just Mozambique, which is where he's located, but all over Africa. And so, he spent several months, as well as the two volunteers from the orphanage, in prison or in jail in Mozambique. And finally, he gets released, but the charges are not dismissed. And when he's released, he's told he cannot fly. He cannot uh, even originally go into the hangar where the airplane is being stored. Later on, they get a little more lenient and allow him to at least go to the hangar to do mechanic work and these other things. So he spends several months in prison, including last Christmas. And I shared this last Christmas, and I just wanted to read it again, because this is how he deals with that, that question about how long, Lord, and about the waiting, and about, you know, what is God's plan for me? And this is what he says in a letter that he wrote last December. On the battlefield of the mind, I've been wrestling with fear lately. And my adversary sends terrifying thoughts through in my flesh. I want to be in constant fear. But the spirit which is alive and well within me trusts in the goodness of God and all of his promises. So the spirit and the flesh are always at war, forcing me again and again to the feet of Jesus, where I find my strength, so that the outworking of my faith is confidence of mind. I found great encouragement in reading Philippians and John. In Philippians, I find that whatever path God has me take, he has a work for me to complete, and I need not fear in the face of suffering. Because I'm united with Christ in John, he exhorts me to follow Christ wherever he may go, and wherever he is, there his servant is also. These times are very comforting to me because I know he will be with me, and he has a purpose in it all. 
Please pray that God would give me faith, strength, and courage to rest in his will. Pray that we to help me conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel, so that I not be frightened by those who oppose me. And as I wrestle with these things, I'm reminded that his grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in weakness. I pray that all of you will have peace. Please continue to earnestly pray for God's hand to be on the events of my situation. Turn them for my release. And I have great comfort in knowing you all are praying for me. He wrote that when he is still in jail, actually about a month after he was first arrested. And again, going back to Ruth Haley Barton in the book of Sacred Rhythm, she points this out. The capacity to recognize and respond to the presence of God in all of life is a spiritual habit and practice that keeps us connected with God's larger purpose for us and for our world, rather than being consumed by self-interest. As we become practiced recognizing the presence and activity of God, we're able to align ourselves more completely with what God is doing in any given moment, which is when life really gets interesting. So the rest of the story, a recent update is, Ryan and the volunteers were released some months ago from jail, but they were not allowed to travel or leave the country. That has changed now. They're allowed to travel now. Their passports have been returned. And Ryan is actually currently back in the United States getting some very needed rest and dealing with the situation he was in. The charges have not yet been dismissed, so things are not completely taken care of yet. But I can imagine as Ryan is allowed to go back to work and working in the hangar as a mechanic, he may have had these thoughts of, I'm called to be a pilot. What's up with this, Lord? Why am I just being the mechanic? You know, I'm not really doing what I'm called to do. But any of, in those times can often be preparation for the next step. And it allows us to remember the principle of the knots. You know, it's not my plans. It's not my desires. It's not my will. But it's God's plans, God's desires and God's will. I recall reading a book uh, by Richard Blackaby called Living Out of the Overflow where he shares about some of Elijah's struggles. And you can find that in 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19. Elijah was called by God to go to the king and predict that there was going to be a famine. And that he then was told to leave and go stay by this particular place, by this brook, and that the ravens were going to take care of him by providing him food. So he starts out his great preaching career, basically, by taking this message to the king. And then he immediately is put in isolation. No audience, no congregation, just the birds. And he's told to stay there. And he does until we know it's there. Not, we don't know exactly how long, but we know it was for some period of time. Because it wasn't until the brook dried up that God gave him his next assignment. And that's when he was told to go to a particular city and that there would be a widow, a Sidian widow, who would take care of him. And we don't have time to go through all the story, but he meets this widow going as God directs him and asks her to fix him a, a cake of bread 
And she points out that she was just going to use the very last bit of flour she has to do that very thing, and that her and her son were going to eat that and die. And he says, you know, just make some bread for me, and she does. And then she has the miraculous provision of having her flour and her oil never run out for the entire time that Elijah's there. And we know from James chapter 5, verse 17, that this famine lasted for three and a half years. So Elijah goes from calling to speak to the king, sort of like Billy Graham going to visit the president of the United States, to living in isolation, talking to birds, and now going to live and take his message to a widow and her son. But he does it. Her son dies. Elijah's miraculously able to bring him back to life which causes the widow then to talk about the Lord being her God now too. He then returns to have this showdown on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And we don't have to, time to go through all of that. But the point is he spent about three and a half years in a very obscure setting to be prepared to face the prophets of Baal and to have the nation of Israel make a choice. Are they going to serve God? Are they going to serve Baal and the false gods? So we have to remember, our plans and God's plans sometimes differ. But the one thing that we can hold on to is from a song called Never by Tasha Layton. And I just want to close with sharing some of the lyrics from this song. She talks about when this broken world is breaking me down. When my tears and knees both fall to the ground, when my questions make me doubt you more than ever, you remind me that your answer is never. Never forgotten, never forsaken, never abandoned, not for a second. I'm safe in your hands and always forever. You're never not working. My heart is the proof. There's not a broken, too broken for you. You say never. You never let me down. When did you ever let me down? Oh, never, never. So as we wait, remember that it's God's plans. It's God's desires. And it's God's will that we need to hang on to. And it may not be our plans, our will, or our desires that gets carried out. But God is good, so we can trust in his plan. If you join me in prayer, thank you, Lord. Guide us, direct us, and help us to, in those times of waiting, to remember that you're never going to leave us, forsake us, or abandon us. In Jesus' name, amen.